glory. This is one of the greatest texts in Scripture about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our theme for the year is focusing on the goal. And one of the themes that we are developing, the ways that we are developing that uh, more than once, is to think about the relationships that we have. We cannot focus on the goal. We cannot fasten our eyes on that which we want if we don't have a relationship with it, if we don't understand it, if we're not buying into it. And so we're looking at various relationships that we have as we focus on this goal. We've already seen the relationship that we have with God and the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the relationship now that we have with Jesus Christ. It is a concept, the idea of which has often been phrased as a personal relationship with Jesus. We'll think about that in just a moment. This passage before us, I think, is quite interesting. The the man who spoke yesterday, Jeremiah, referred to it. He talked about, and, and we notice in the text that was just read, if you were paying attention, you heard the word we, us, or our 11 times in 12 verses. Now those are relationship words. Those are words that say, I'm a part of a group, so it's ours. Uh, I'm a part of a group that we all have a relationship to God and all of us individually form that group called us and we. There is a relationship in this text. This text is talking about what is it that we have with Jesus Christ? What kind of relationship is going on here? And the text is telling us very clearly that we have with God. This is what verse 3 is teaching us. Notice if you look at verse 3, he mentions all three heads or three parts of the Godhead. Notice, we are blessed and we have God the Father through Jesus Christ have spiritual blessings. Verses 13 and 14 tell us it's the Holy Spirit that confirms that. So our relationship with God is through Jesus and confirmed by the Holy Spirit that we have to live within us. This is the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us and that we should want to have with him. So this text develops very deeply the concept of the relationship we have with Jesus. We're going to spend more time with it tonight, but for the purposes of this morning, simply to notice a few things concerning the concept of the personal relationship with Jesus. The question before us is, what is the meaning of the phrase, a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, the religious world at large has a number of different ways they think about it. So, for instance, some claim they have a personal relationship with Jesus, meaning we love and accept Jesus, we just don't need the church. Well, now, that's a difficulty. That's a problem. Because it doesn't make sense for us to be able to say that I can have Jesus without having his body. Wait a minute. 
He's the head of the body, Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. So some, in using the term personal relationship with Jesus, think they can have him but have nothing to do with the church. Such is not possible. Jesus won't accept that. It is not going to happen. I can't claim to have that and actually have it. Number two, some talk a lot about I love Jesus and, and I want things to be good, and yet they show no evidence of Jesus in their lives. Someone was telling me the story the other day of one of those famous dating shows on TV. I've never seen one, but I heard about it. And apparently, uh, this is some kind of a secret thing. You don't see each other. You just hear about it. And, and one girl was talking about how great it was that she was a Christian. And, and the other fellow that she was not seeing but talking with cursed and said, me too. Now, how much sense does that make? How much sense does that make to say, I love Jesus, and then turn around and with, as James would say in chapter 3, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be so. So when some say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but show no evidence of him in their lives, can it really be true? Others who talk about a personal relationship with Jesus say, oh, it's better felt than told. I'm not going to tell you about it, but I feel it. Well, here's what they mean by that. What it means is you can't tell me or define for me who Jesus is and what he expects. It's all about how I feel. So if I feel this is good, then it must be good. If it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside, then this must be what he's talking about as far as my personal relationship. You can't talk about it. You can't say yours is wrong or yours is wrong or mine is right. God does not have the right, apparently, to say this is the definition. It is a fact that some live the concept of better felt than told. No, I, I don't necessarily follow the Bible, but I feel it right here. These concepts of a personal relationship with Jesus just don't fit what Scripture teaches. I read from a man who was talking about this phrase, and he noticed this idea. I'm not saying that what I'm about to say is bad, but he did notice it. As this term, this, this phrase, personal relationship with Jesus, which has more of an emotional, internal connection to it, as this phrase began to be used in the religious world, it was at the same time when the songs of churches changed from songs about Jesus to songs to Jesus. Meaning, it's more of an expression and a feeling and an emotion, and people want to feel this connection with Jesus. People want to have a deep sense with Jesus. And I agree with that. I think we should all be striving for that. 
I will say that the concept or the phrase personal relationship with Jesus doesn't occur in Scripture. So then what does it mean for us? If that's what it means in the world, what does it mean for us? Is it okay for us to think about and to say, let's have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, first of all, we have to understand our relationship. Let's use a common phrase that every one of us has said at least once in our lives. And let me ask you to think about that phrase for a minute, okay? Because it involves all of us right here. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself, and we will all do so. Why did you come to church? Now, some will object to the phrase because you can't go to church if you are the church. I understand that. I'm just talking about a way of saying things. This is perfectly fine to use the phrase to say, why did you come to church? Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. No one can know the answer in your head or in my head except for each of us. I know mine, you know yours. Number one, did you come to church today because this is your routine? It's just what you do. I've always done it. If I didn't do it, it wouldn't feel right. Something would be missing. It's just something that I need to do. Do you have routines like that in your life? Do you have routines in your life that if they're not there, you just miss it? There's something missing. You can't really necessarily say that it was terrible not to do it, but it just didn't fit because I'm accustomed to this routine. When you are getting ready in the morning, do you do the same thing in the same order every single day? I basically do. I basically do. You probably do too. Meaning, you brush your teeth, you comb your hair, you put on deodorant in a certain order. It's just routine. And sometimes people come to church just out of routine. Number two. Did you come to church today out of fear? If I don't, he's going to strike me down. If I don't come, he'll send me to hell. If I don't come, my mom and dad will be upset with me. If I don't come, somebody from that church is going to call and ask why I wasn't there. I'm afraid not to. Is that why you came to church? Is the fear of not doing something adequate motivation for doing it? Well, let me third suggest the only way to have a personal relationship with Jesus in the way that we're using it is to say, I came to church because I'm convicted that I need to be a part of this setting. I am convicted that this is right. I am convicted that I want to do it, 
This is what my life is. I accept that Jesus died for me and that he made all of this possible. I am convicted. It's not a routine, though it is. I'm not afraid, though there is fear of hell that every one of us has. But conviction, conviction turns my life of Christianity into a routine. Yes, I'm afraid of hell, but more than that, I love Jesus and what he did. Now, conviction includes all of that, but it changes the motivation. It provides something deeper than these other things we've talked about. I know this. To have a personal relationship with Jesus means it can't be impersonal. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know me. He wants to be in this relationship. You see, the first man, Adam, brought sin into the world. The second man, Adam, took sin out of the world. Yes, a personal relationship with Jesus means that I choose to be His. I choose to follow Him. And I'm going to live with Him. As Paul closed that message about the first and the second Adam, he opened another discussion. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him in his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, we certainly also shall be united in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away. Jesus said, you want to have a personal relationship with me? You want to be in a relationship with me? Then you have to die my death. Jesus sacrificed everything. And when I am obedient to him in baptism, immersed in water, I am baptized into his death, raised as a new person, symbolizing the coming new eternal life in heaven. Between now or that point and then, we live with Jesus, in Jesus because as this passage said in verse 3 of Ephesians 1, 
every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing, the heavenly places is in Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved without being in Jesus. You cannot have a relationship without being in Jesus. You cannot be in Jesus without being immersed in water into his death, raised as a new person, and then live the life of a convicted Christian. Are you ready to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Maybe you've asked the question, well, if so, what does he look like? Tonight we're going to talk about that. What does Jesus look like? And how does it look in my life? Today, if you are needing him and to form that relationship with him, we're here for you as we stand and sing together. <laughs>